from Matthew 5, 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heavens, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is a city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. We're in a series called Manifesto where we are walking through uh, the Sermon on the Mount together. I've been uh, in the Sermon on the Mount for a number of months now and will continue to be so. And, uh, and today we're, we're going to be looking at this concept of oaths and what they are. You probably maybe have never heard a sermon on that. Um, but basically what we're seeing that Jesus is going after is really the importance of truth-telling in the life of the believer. Uh, several years ago, I was in uh, the kitchen with our oldest two kids, and, uh, and, and it was one of those uh, situations where somehow, mysteriously, uh, in the middle of the island in the kitchen, there was an entire pack of Oreos. Okay, an entire pack. So Megan never gets these at the grocery, so it must have been uh, that either the kids got them from the grandparents or I went grocery shopping, which is probably the better case. Uh, and I picked them up. And, uh, and anyway, uh, the kids and I, uh, we, we, lie, we, we found ourselves lying in a predicament because uh, as you know, uh, whenever you look at a pack of Oreos, you either eat none or you eat all. That, those are the two options with Oreos. But we, we decided... Uh, uh, as uh, self-controlled individuals that we would take the road less traveled by. So what we did was we got out three Oreos for each of us. And we set them out on the island. And uh, I, I walked away uh, with my Oreos because I don't let the kids walk around and eat, but I can do it. You know how that works as parents. Uh, so they were sitting in there eating the Oreos. And about 15 minutes later, I hear this wailing scream. And I, and I go into uh, the kitchen and Tatum says... Caden ate my last two Oreos. And I'm thinking, okay, what's going on here? Because Caden is like me. He would rather have dessert before dinner. And so he ate, he like inhaled his Oreos as he got them. And I, I'm trying to pay, play the role of the peacemaker in the kitchen there. And, and I know, well, let's be honest, the boy has eaten the Oreos. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind about it. But I'm trying to work it out between them and, and help them develop some practices of telling the truth and asking for forgiveness and things. And, and I look at Caden and Caden, I say, Caden, did you eat your sister's Oreos? And he looks up at me and he goes, with his big smile, has Oreos like all in his teeth. And he says, no, I didn't eat those Oreos. And you're seeing where this story is going. He was lying about it. Uh, everyone lies. Uh, lying is such a part of the fabric of our culture that uh, certain careers are uh, uh, allegedly built upon lying, right? Uh, no direct offense to any of you lawyers that are in the group here, but uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I can remember telling lie after lie as a kid, and, and, and uh, you know, uh, whether it be stealing a, a toy truck from the grocery store when I was like five or six, or whether it be stealing my mother's money. Uh, I was, as you get older, you get a little better at lying, I guess, if that's a thing. Um, that really shouldn't be a thing, but it is. Um, and so I, I remember just stealing like, like 50 cents every night until I had like $40, like from my mom's like piggy bank and she finds it out. Anyway, w w our culture is built upon lying. In fact, uh, 
uh, a lady that, that wrote an article for CNBC uh, says this, several studies have found that an average person is lied to anywhere from 10 to 200 times a day. I, I don't want to be on that 200 side of things. That'd be really bad. But she says this, mostly just to keep a conversation going, to avoid conflict, or to establish a connection with someone. There are a half dozen or so falsehoods we hear every day that can lead us down the wrong path in our careers, change how we do business, or dramatically influence our personal lives. So you're getting the point of where we're going today. Why? Why do we lie? And here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the truth of it all. We lie because we think that it's better to conceal than to be exposed. It's better to conceal what we've done than to be exposed. The better news to us whenever we speak a lie, no matter, how, no matter the gravity and the aftermath of the lie, in the moment we think that it's better to not be exposed than to be exposed. And Jesus came to uproot that lie that each and every one of us are tempted to believe. So here's the, here's the, here's the big idea of where we're going today. We can only tell the truth to others when we believe the truth about ourselves. So the way that Jesus gets into the Sermon on the Mount here is, uh, and, and by the way, if you have not been with us, Jesus has been gut-punching us week after week in the Sermon on the, round, and on the Mount. Am I right? I mean, He just keeps going after us and He pushes it in here. And, and what Jesus is doing is He's uprooting some of the truths that, that the Jewish people have believed because of the Pharisees' teaching. And so he goes, he's kind of going through the Ten Commandments and hitting, he's talked about lust and adultery, he's talked about lots of different things that, that pertain to the Ten Commandments. And, and, and he's aiming this uh, teaching here at the Ninth Commandment that's about uh, bearing false witness. And he says, he says this, again, you've heard it said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you've sworn. But I say to you, he's correcting the teaching that they've heard, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven for its throne, for it is the throne of God, or by earth for it is its footstool, or by Jerusalem for it is the great city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So Jesus is, is pressing into this teaching that's been passed down by a particular legalistic uh, group of Jewish leaders known as the Pharisees. And, and the Pharisees had this way of, of, of sanitizing lies and bending the law of God to be acceptable in their own sight so they could go to sleep at night with a clear conscience. And so what, what Jesus is talking about here when He's, when he's talking about swearing by these different things is, is He's talking about in particular how the Pharisees would bend the truth. He's saying uh, he's not saying do not ever make an oath or a vow. Jesus isn't saying that because we see Jesus and the Apostle Paul making oaths for certain situations. And, and by the way, an oath in the scriptures is um, an oath is a, is a binding agreement between two or more people before God. A vow is an agreement that you're making before God alone. The way that I remember that is that vow starts with V and it's about a vertical promise. So. He's talking about these promises that they would make between people. And, and really what he's saying is the whole reason, the, the, the reason that you have to make oaths is because you're prone to lie. That, that's why you, you have to make these agreements. And he goes into greater detail in this in Matthew 23. We don't have time to go there today. But basically, he's, 
he, he says this. Uh, the Pharisees said that if you swear by the gold in, uh, if you swear by the temple, it's not binding. But if you swear by the gold in the temple, it's a binding promise that you're making. So they're they're kind of just twisting the truth so that they can deceive them what their, their selves into making uh, agreements that they don't have to uh, hold up to. And, it, and as you begin to see, it's a ridiculous kind of claim. Jesus is going after the heart of this whole thing. Now, uh, the, the whole reason why the oaths existed was to ensure people, especially why Jesus and Paul made oaths, was to ensure people that didn't know them well, didn't see their track record, that they were going to keep their word. But this wasn't the case for the Pharisees. So Jesus here is saying that our, that our word should be our word. Uh, he's saying let your yes mean a yes. So, so when you speak yes to someone, when you say something to someone else, it should be as you say it's going to be. He says, he says, here's the twist though. Anything else that you feel like you have to add to a conversation piece, it actually comes from evil. So we're gonna, we're gonna dig into this today. My aim, uh, is to, uh, is to uncover the tendency that each of us have toward being untruthful. Uh, and my hope is that each of us, uh, will be set free a little bit more fully than we were when we walked in. Uh, to live in light of the truth and to be gracious truth tellers. Um, and the reality is this, guys. We lie because we're in bondage. So I have three points I want to make to you today. It's this right here. We make promises because we're prone to lie. We lie because we're enslaved. And freedom from bondage comes through right paternity. Having the right father. So let's dig in together to point one here. We make promises or oaths because we're prone to to lies. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, the very existence of oaths is a proof that there is such a thing as lies. Therefore, the oath must go since it is a protection for the lie. The cross, and this is, this is what I love about this quote, the cross is God's truth about us. When we know the cross, we are no longer afraid of the truth. So God in His gracious mercy permitted Israel to have this oath and vow structure to help them learn how to walk in the truth. It was, a, it, was a, it was something that He did in His mercy and in His grace. Oaths and vows were the training wheels of being, becoming truth-tellers. But when Jesus uh, comes in all of God's truth and He and he goes on the cross of Calvary, what, what he's saying is, is that, that I am fully exposed for sin that I did not commit so that you can walk in the freedom of being fully exposed before everyone else about what you've done that's right and what you've done that's wrong. And you can walk in the light as He's in the light. We have that freedom now to do that. Because He's, because he's publicly shamed before us, we can stand in confidence even when we're wrong. I mean, I, I have the tendency to ask my kids sometimes whenever they tell a lie, because it's easier to share examples about them than it is about me, right? We love to do that. Um, I, have, I have the tendency to ask them the question, hey, why did you lie? Why didn't you just tell me the truth? And that kind of makes them climb up even more, you know? Um, but the reality is, the question that we should be asking is, why do any of us ever tell the truth? Like, that's the better question we should be asking. And the only reason that any of us ever tell the truth is because of God's mercy and grace on our lives. 
That's the only reason we have the freedom to do that. But Jesus is what He's saying here. He's inviting us into a greater measure of freedom. To let our yes be a yes and our no uh, be a no. So let's dig in. We're going to look at John 8 to kind of uh, to kind of give a little bit more light to this text. The second point we're making is this. We lie because we're enslaved. So, so in this text in John 8, 31 through 35, if you got a Bible, flip it open there. We're going to be looking at, at this text. Jesus is speaking to a group of Jews about the reality that he is God's son. And he's talking about what it's like to have communion with his father in heaven. And they uh, they don't want to believe that he's God's son because that means that they have to listen to what he says, and that means they'll have to change their lives. So he's kind of he's kind of digging into that more and more here. And John 8, 31 and following says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. So he's saying, if, if you belong to God, you'll know the truth, you'll follow my teaching, you'll abide, you'll remain in me, you'll carry out my teaching in the way that I have exemplified what a godly life looks like. That's how you'll know that you belong to the truth. But the Pharisees, the way they hear this is really interesting. They say this, we are offspring of Abraham. And have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So what, what is Jesus asking them? He's asking them, you know, he's, he's asking them to kind of look inside themselves. And they, they are in bondage and they don't know it because they are looking at the external fact that they are descendants of Abraham to find their security and their identity and their assurance of their salvation. And what he's, what, he's, what he's trying to expose in them is that it's really not about the externals. It's about what's in the heart. And they don't have these new hearts that the Holy Spirit has come to give us who believe in Jesus' teaching. Who believe that He's the way, He's the truth, and He's the life. And there's no other way to come to the Father except through Jesus. So he's exposing, he's exposing their imprisonment. So I want, I want to let this sit on us for a second here this morning. Is that you this morning? I'm not just talking about a propensity to, to not be honest. I'm talking about any type of bondage. Are you in bondage this morning? Are you handcuffed by the life that you are trying to curate on your own and feel that like there's just weight on you all the time? You can't get out from under it. Is that you this morning? The best news that Jesus Christ could give you this morning is this, to tell you the truth. I mean, because Jesus wouldn't be a truth teller if He hadn't have looked at those Jews and said, you're enslaved. If He would have just said, okay, whatever you guys want to believe. He wouldn't be being honest with them, right? So what's He tell them? You're enslaved. The best news that you can hear this morning if you're worshiping or trying to find any other way to God except through surrender to Jesus, is this. You're enslaved. So I want you to look at your neighbor right now and just whisper to him, hey, you're enslaved if you're not in Jesus. Go ahead and do that right now. Yeah, there we go. That's good. It's good. Lighten the mood up a little bit here. The best news that we can hear this morning is that we're enslaved if we're not in Christ. And that's the anthem of the Christian life. 
Or we see the, the flesh begin to, fe- to, to peel away more and more. We don't rely on what we can do in and of ourselves anymore. But it's all about Jesus and what He's done and how we find ourselves in Him. These guys wanted to come up to Jesus and, and, and kind of approach it kind of from an angle and say, hey, Jesus, I've, uh, you know, what would you do if you, uh, if you had a friend that had a compulsive lying problem? You know, I'm kind of asking for a friend here. You know, what would you do if that was if your friend, Jesus? They, they, were, they were afraid to be honest with themselves and afraid to be honest before God. I was with a, a, a group of kids that I mentor here at Richards this week, and we had a particularly rough just week in our mentoring group, just dealing with sin and flesh and all that kind of stuff. And, and when I prayed, I was like really honest about the things that were going on in our hearts. And the guys were like, like I can't believe you just told God like what we were doing. I'm like, guys, He already knows. He already knows. The only people we're kidding is ourselves when we're not honest before God. It's the thing that I love about the Psalms the most. Because when you read the Psalms, they'll make you blush. The way that David prays before God, the way that he lays himself out before God, the reality is, is that we serve a God that loves us so much that He saved all of us. Not just the sanitized parts that we can muster up the effort to show Him that look good. He saved all of us. The Scriptures go on to say this in John 8.39-47. So the Jews answer Him. They say, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I have heard from God. That is not what Abraham did. You're doing the works that your father did. And they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. He's trying to get to the point that they have a different father. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said to them, here's where he delivers the, the crushing blow to them right here. If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but He sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in Him. He is is letting them have it. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. We can easily connect this to what Jesus is saying on the Sermon on the Mount. When he says, let your yes be a yes, and your no be a no. For anything else comes from the evil one. The Scripture says. The truth about the slave to falsehood is this. He's acting as if he doesn't belong to God. Every lie that you hear, every lie that you speak, no matter how great or small the magnitude is, is influenced by the devil. This is what Jesus is saying here. And even those little white lies, right? Even the the ones that just kind of keep the conversation going. When When we get in the habit of telling those over and over again, our hearts become calloused to the truth. And all of a sudden, the lies that are of seemingly greater magnitude are easier and easier to slip into. 
Then we've got this mask that we have to keep up with. Which mask do I have on today? Can I be honest or do I have to keep up the lie that I've been perpetuating over with these folks? Jesus is saying that before God gives us a new heart, through faith in Him, all we can do is lie. And do you know why we have a tendency to do that? It's because we have to protect ourselves, our reputations. And in doing so, what we do is we steal the truth from other people. We steal the truth because we're so afraid of being exposed and what it might do to us. And so, the good news for us in those moments when we breed falsehood, the good news for us is very momentary and it's not really good news at all. Jesus says the truth sets us free and the lie can never set us free. And when we're found in the truth, we have the freedom to speak the truth. The truth doesn't seem to be able to set you free in the moment because it seems really bad. But friends, whenever we speak the truth, even when we're busted in something big, I mean, most of us in here have secrets to some magnitude that no one else knows that are affecting our day-to-day lives in one way, shape, or form. And when we let God into those parts of our lives, we begin to, to sense a greater and greater freedom because we have nothing else to keep up with. We're just who we are before God's sons and daughters. And we see, as God begins to expose those, is that we're all phonies to some degree. We're all phonies. And the the beautiful news that I want you to hear this morning is that Jesus came to save phonies. If you're not a phony, Jesus can't save you. Because you don't need it. Jesus came to save the phony. Where is it in your life, church, this morning that you're living as a phony? And what is it that is the seemingly good news for you that you're trying to keep up with? Is it, is it how you, you spend or, or manage your money? I mean, are you being dishonest maybe in your business dealings or even with your spouse? I'm amazed at how many dual narratives there are in the way that money kind of works in the household. There's nothing that the devil loves to work in more than that. He loves to meddle around in our relationships like that. Are you hiding other things from your spouse? Things that maybe you've never even talked about before that are affecting how you relate to one another. So maybe it's not a sin of commission where you're actively lying, but it's a sin of omission. Because you're just kind of keeping it to yourself hoping that it will go away. And you know what it's doing on the inside of you? is It's eating you away. It's eating you alive. You can't find any freedom because you're not known in that area of your life by God and by your spouse. What is it that's keeping you in bondage this morning? Is it it another besetting sin, an addiction, that you're so afraid that someone else is going to find out about so you conceal it? Where is it that God is pressing into you this morning? Because as James says in the Scriptures, that, that, that when we confess our sins to one another, that we can experience healing. The enemy wants to isolate you. He always wants to isolate you. He never wants you to live in community with other believers because believers are called to speak the truth in love to one another. That's what Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians. 
And when you share community and you, you, you venture out enough to trust the people that God has put in your path, even though maybe you haven't known them that long, the Holy Spirit just seems to work in a more effective fashion when we follow God's Word and we live in the unity of other believers. Now listen, I know it's scary to do that, okay? We've all been burned by Christians, right? We have. But it's God's plan A for the redemption of the world. There's no other way. The road of isolation is a very lonely one that the enemy loves to keep us on. So do you have those truth-tellers in your life this morning? Those, those people that, that you can confide in and you can be honest about where you're at. And they remind us, you know, you know what those truth-tellers do? They remind us that we can be honest before God. That we can, we can come to our Father as we are. Because if, if we cannot speak, the tr- if we cannot receive the truth about ourselves, we cannot speak the truth to one another. As John, 1 John 1.7 says, I quoted this earlier. It says this, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. God's desire for each of us is to walk in light. Because He is in light. So when we choose to walk in darkness, we're, we're trying to separate ourselves from the tightest knit union in the history of the world. Our communion with our Father in Heaven through the work of His Son. And we're trying to live a different life. We can walk in the light because Jesus has given us the truth about ourselves so that we can walk that out. Lastly, I'll land the plane with this. Freedom from bondage comes from right paternity. Let's listen to how John 8 kind of continues here. John 8, uh, verse 35. He says, The slave does not remain in the house forever. He's, he's, he's picking up on this, this narrative telling the Jews that if... If they're not in Christ, they're slaves to sin. They're, they're believing lies from the Father of life. He says, now listen, the slave doesn't remain in the house forever, but the Son remains forever. And He says this, so if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. Because the Son belongs in the house forever. The house of the Lord. The family of God forever. And if you've been set free by the, the Son, there's nothing in all of creation that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There's nothing that can separate you. He says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. Did Jesus' words find place in your heart this morning, church? If they do, it's a really good sign that the Holy Spirit is very active in your life and desires to give you freedom to walk in a greater measure of the truth. He says, I speak of what I have seen with my Father, and you do what you have heard from your Father. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you don't need a a, a set of different circumstances. You don't need things just to fall the right way for you to be able to to walk in the light as He is in the light in all of your life, to, to be a truth teller. What you need is a different Father. You need a different Father. True freedom can only come from right paternity. And when we are born in this world, we are born worshiping the enemy. It's it's how we are. It's why we need new hearts. I don't care how much church you went to growing up. I don't care if you sing in the kids' choir. I don't care if you led a small group. 
If Jesus is not your Lord, then you are a child of the enemy. It's what Jesus is saying here. He's sharing very difficult truth. We all have to surrender and be given these new hearts that can walk in obedience through the power of the Spirit. Jesus says in another place, and this is a real good indicator for me, like every day, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the words that we speak are like a, they're an indicator, a dashboard light of the position that our heart's in is what He's saying here. So have you ever been in a conversation with someone and you, you say something and you're like, oh man, I didn't mean to say that. Anybody else? Me? What Jesus is saying is like, yeah, you did. You just didn't mean to get caught. That's what, that's what He's saying here. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what He's saying is believing lies leads to speaking lies. But believing truth leads to speaking truth. Now, here's the deal. I think we speak lies because we don't believe the truth about ourselves. So let me flip this thing on its head a little bit. We can tell the truth to others because we believe the truth about ourselves. The lies that we believe about ourselves are many, 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 many. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. I could never obey God. I could never have a place in His family because of what I've done. God, have You seen the things that I've done? I've spent most of my life not worshiping You, worshiping myself. I'm unqualified. I'm unworthy. I'm washed up. I'm not like so and so. I'm fat. I'm ugly. I'm not good enough. No one will marry me. No one loves me. We make these vows, these, these agreements with the devil so often. And we just let him have his way with us. And Jesus says, if the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. You're free to believe the fact that you are a dearly beloved child of God for all eternity and it's because of nothing that you've done. And when you believe that about yourself, when you believe that you are made in the image of God and you've been made right with your Father in Heaven through the work of Christ, you're free to tell the truth. You're free to tell the truth to yourself. You're free to tell the truth to others. You're no longer slaves, but sons and daughters. Let me close by sharing this with you. Tim Keller says this, the Gospel is this, the Gospel, the good news about Jesus that we are free to believe this morning. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. That's the paradox that lives within you this morning. So if you're in here this morning and you feel like a big old fraud, the Scriptures give us freedom to confess our sins to One who loves us and has forgiven us and will continue to forgive us and not hold anything against it because He threw all of His wrath against sin on the cross. So the cross just swells in our life as we look at it, as we gaze upon it, as we think about Jesus. And in that, when we, when we come to that awareness, that's the place where we'll be most prone to be most honest with ourselves and others. Let's pray together, church. Our Father, we, we come to You today and we confess that 
that Lord, we were, we were born into this world as, as children of a different father. Illegitimate children. The enemy God has, he's been trying to have his way with us since we were born. And in the moment in time when you sent Jesus to give us a different story, to give us a different father, we, we find it very difficult to believe that it's true, God. We find it very difficult to believe that, that You want nothing from us. You just want to give us everything. God, we're terrible at receiving the gift of grace. Lord, I pray this morning that You'd have mercy on us. That You have mercy on us as we learn to receive grace so that we can give grace. We learn to receive truth so that we can give truth. Father, I pray for those this morning that are in bondage that are in this room right now. They're in bondage because they've been believing lies, they've been speaking lies, they've been covering things up, and they're living a different story than the one that you want them to live. And they think there's no way to be free. Pray that they would believe the words of Jesus. That the Son has set us free. We're free indeed. Jesus, come set us free. In your name we pray. Amen.